Hey there, I'm John Hayes, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the Founders Trust Podcast. Today, we're discussing how founders can build their personal brands through social media and integrate them into the fabric of their overall company brand. I spoke with George and Sammy Jarjor, the founders of Sports on Tap, a national sports media company. George, Sammy, and I discussed their company's origin story, coming from an entrepreneurial family who immigrated from Syria and how they're tying that legacy of entrepreneurship and brotherhood into their personal brands. This episode was authentic, honest, and just a blast to record. And I'm so grateful to share the brother's story with you today. So let's jump right in. Today's Startup Spotlight is brought to you by Savier. Savier takes a personalized approach to helping entrepreneurs create a clear path to growth. Through knowledge, coaching, and marketing services, Savier helps entrepreneurs and small business owners apply marketing to achieve their business goals. At Savier, our goal is to empower entrepreneurs to achieve marketing success. Check them out at Savier. That's SavvyEUR.com today. George, Sammy, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Founders Trust Podcast. Really excited to have you guys on. Honestly, not only are we great friends, but you're some of my favorite entrepreneurs and just having gotten to work with you on the Sports on Tap mission over the past year. I can't believe it's already been a year we've been working together on that. has been such an awesome experience and I've already feel, felt like I've learned so much from you guys. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to join us today. We're thanks, both thanks for having us. That's it's always funny, man. When you when you you're with your brother and people you work with, everyone's waiting for the other person to answer that one. We're glad <laughs> as well, man. Uh, there was a long pause there. That was not internet connection this time. Um, but uh, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. I will, I will say second attempt on this podcast because uh, George and I's internet was not doing so hot last time. But I think, Sammy, I think we're Sammy, in the clear Sammy, this time. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. My, George's in You were just happened to be next to me. And it was not, Sammy has zero fault on this last <laughs> episode. It's all me. Well, I think we're ready to rock and roll this time, fellas. So let's hop right in. But honestly, just tell our listeners why you started Sports on Tap. I feel like I know bits and pieces of the story, but I'm not sure if I know the whole thing. And it's such a great company that you've built and it, I know it has a great origin story. So would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, George, George, you're good at, you're good at prefacing it because it is a, uh, I guess, I think John caught bits and pieces of the story that he surprisingly didn't know last time, but this time yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give the full story, but George, if you want to preface it, I can come in at the end with the little we, bit of, uh, I'll, I'll throw the basket down the middle. You just hit it out of the park, bro. Um, you know, maybe this should be like on our website, like the about us, just have this story be like what the Sports on Tap is all about, right? So the Sports on Tap, S-O-N-T, originally started as we, you know, previously told John on a podcast that unfortunately did not get saved or the internet was really bad, but We'll try to tell it as off the cusp as last time. We originally started, so we came up with this idea. All right, Facebook now has Facebook Live, and this looks like it's really cool. And my dad had As Seen on TV stores growing up, when I was growing up, which for those who don't know what As Seen on TV is, it's like the, oh, the magic sweeper, buy now, nineteen ninety nine, buy one, get one free, only available now. But my dad's like, well, why don't we make it available in stores? So my dad, you know, made partnerships with all these companies and had stores around the country. And uh, now- Best, they- best example is a magic bullet. That's my favorite. Magic bullet, there we go. one in my kitchen, guys. So do I. Probably Everyone still product. has a magic bullet. <laughs> magic bullet is damn awesome, that's why. So my dad did that and the internet came about and, you know, retail stores in malls were not what they used to be. So, you know, me and Sammy being his, his son, we're like, we're, we're entrepreneurs too. That's, we secured some financing from a really good family friend who's done a lot of business with my dad before. And we decided to build SONT, the first ever home shopping network on Facebook Live. <laughs> and it sounds like a great idea, right? I mean, we went to all these trade shows, we made partnerships, we had this like deal where you know, we would sell it for them. They'd ship directly to the customer drop shipping, but at a huge discount because it was like a home shopping network type of deal. We hired a bunch of like um, 
I wouldn't call them actors, but like uh, presenters, hosts, hosts. 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 <laughs> we uh, hired a graphic designer. We had a, a secretary, a lady. Like we, we, you know, we raised some good money on it, and we were ready to roll. Two days, John. Two days into launching our, uh, and we we're supposed to get another large sum of money to keep it afloat after the startup costs and building a studio with a kitchen and. Everything. I mean, we went we went through the nines to get this going. Uh, he had some financial trouble that we did not really know about, and he backed out two days after launch. So oh, we man. were so we were stuck with the studio, stuck with hosts, and we had to make that uncomfortable emergency meeting where we fired not fired. We let everyone go because we had no money to pay them. And um, me and Sammy were like, all so right. We essentially fired everyone, yes. We let them go. Same, see, same I like difference. To, I like to say fire when someone does something wrong, right? They didn't do nothing wrong. They should have fired our ass at that point. Um, so me and Sammy were like, all right, cool. Well, we have all this product. Why don't we record something? So before the sports on tap, we started recording. And I'll let Sammy go from here. Um. Well, we started recording these damn shows, and I'm I'm not a big fan of playing with products and doing these different things. I love the whole concept of you know the home shopping network, cool idea. But when I went on camera and was like, I'm gonna I'm showing these products now. We were just doing the whole like you know do whatever we can. To, it'd be like a restaurant shutting down, and we're not chefs, but we're like I guess we'll cook the food, right? <laughs> so we started presenting these products and doing these shows. And I looked at George one day and I was like, I can't do this. Like I was playing with glitter on air and like, I don't know, we were doing like Bluetooth mics and I'm just, and we're doing these like sh these hour long shows. And I was like, I, I literally can't do this much longer. Like I'd rather go get a job. So I eventually went to George and I was like, I got to do something that we like. And simply enough, as, I, as simple as it gets, I looked at him. I was like, I don't know what the hell we're going to do. We have mics, cameras, Let's do something sports related. And George was like, okay, I guess we can do that. There's a tiny bit of pushback, but not much because I think George also hated hosting shows playing with glitter. And I also had no choice, dude. Like I there was not we had nothing going. Like I dude, I can't sell glitter. Yeah. So I said, let's do sports. <laughs> and we did. And so we just started putting on some sports shows, talking. We'd have our friends come over and just talk sports and we we're like, oh, we'll just find a way to make this work. And I, you know, I don't know, I don't even know how it came about, but we took the S O N T and we're like, well, sports on tap, like that works, and that's a good abbreviation. And we kind of just rolled with the punches. And then, you know, as time went, we started off. We didn't have a website. We were just doing Facebook live shows, and like, we actually got a couple ad sponsorships on our show for a little bit. And then we're like, maybe we'll we'll open a website, and maybe we can start like doing some more on social media. And slowly but surely, we were like, hey, maybe we can actually build this like into a like a, a real business. And you know, I was doing a lot of the side hustle shit, as George knows. Like, I mean, I would I was doing Uber Eats and Amazon Flex stuff, and just trying to like make money on the side to keep it rolling. And we all figured out eventually how to make it work enough, and it was a sports company. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually trying on Google right now. I wonder if I type I I think there could be some stuff still. If I you type in Sant Home Shopping, nothing yet. But I know a while back I used to type in S O N T, and you would get like home shopping uh, and pictures of me and Sammy with like glitter and shit. But it looks like it's not on Google anymore. So that's always positive when that stuff finally is off Google. So I guess what they say about it's always on Google forever is a lie because it's not on Google anymore. So can't find me with glitter on my face. <laughs> I mean, guys, it's crazy because I've known you for years now and I never knew that sports on tab came out of as seen on TV as a Facebook live home shopping network platform. I, I had no idea if that's not the ultimate story of entrepreneurs pivoting. I'm not sure what is, I mean, going from <laughs> selling glitter and neutral bullets on Facebook to becoming a sports media company that's now expanded into multiple cities. It's just an incredible story. And I, I appreciate you guys sharing that because I think a lot of times you know, we, we interview a lot of early stage founders who are going through building their ideas and building their companies. And it's tough. It's a roller coaster. 
and right. just to hear your story of perseverance and taking something that you would start off with, you had so much traction, you would hire a team, you had financial backing, having it really fall apart in a short span <laughs> and then taking that and turning it into something really positive that you love doing and you've really succeeded at, I think is in my mind, the, the ultimate story of entrepreneurial success, regardless well, of wherever sports on tap goes. It's just that resilience and that understanding of here's what we got. Here's what we know how to do. Here's what we like doing. And you go out and make it happen. So, so yeah. that really guys is, is awesome. Yeah. You know, over the last five, 10 years, we've seen a big shift in sports media towards opinion-based content. So it, it's not necessarily like the ESPN model of breaking news, updating trades, et cetera. Where does sports on tap in your guys' minds fit into that landscape of sports media and what really differentiates the brand for you in terms of what the company brings to the market? Well, you made a really good point there about like sports has shifted into opinion, opinionation business and not into breaking news business model. And I think there's a reason for that. One, um, I feel like now, so you, you know, you're young, right? And I'm young and we're all, but we've all grew up during the time of sports center. Uh, we all grew up in the time where we weren't able to access highlights instantly on our phone. We were we grew up in a time where it was like, all right, nine o'clock sports center coming up. I wonder if the Seattle Mariners won today because I missed the game. I wonder if Griffey hit a home run. And I wonder what the best highlights of a day are so far. And holy shit, Randy Johnson got traded. Like this is me when I was like a kid. Um fast forward till now, we don't have to wait. That's why SportsCenter is struggling. That's why ESPN is struggling because everything is so instant, right? So I think the only thing that you can always be surprised by is opinion business. That's why podcasts work. That's why videos work. That's why websites with opinions and analysis work. And that's why breaking news nece doesn't necessarily work. Now, there's a place for breaking news, right? You want to know the news, but... It's like a race to say who's first source. ESPN reports that uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said that LeBron James is signing with the Lakers. Then 55 different websites tweeted it. Do you really need a website to click in an article about it? Probably not. Do you need to turn on SportsCenter to read about it? Probably not. But do you want someone's opinion that might be a little different about it? Yes. So I think like personality-wise – I think it was a shift that maybe necessarily wasn't even planned. I think it just happened, right? Because what kind of content can you put out there other than opinion-based content that can really move the needle these days? Yeah, I, I, I think the whole key is the whole key is the personality base because the breaking news is still important, I guess, right? So. It's like one way of saying the breaking news isn't important, but it still is and because it is, but it's, it's the way that the breaking news is being given to you, right. Or how you're being told about this breaking news. So I think that's where the interesting in between is that it's not necessarily that the breaking news doesn't matter that everybody's posting at the breaking news, because still, we still want to be part of that breaking news, but just in a different way. Right. And that's where I think it's kind of important or, saying something funny about it, saying something intriguing about it, even saying something as simple, you know, today there was a Dak Prescott signing with the Cowboys. I tried to tweet out something about the contracts, how he is one of the four highest paid quarterbacks. And here's a breakdown of that rather than like, to me, that might be more interesting than another post that just says he signed with the Cowboys. So there's a new way to distribute it. And then later, I know I put out a little video on Twitter and on TikTok and Instagram. And I know George did as well. And then mix in the opinions, right? And I think that at least gives you some chance for people to see you as an opinion-based guy, maybe see you as, oh, they at least put out some interesting things about the contracts or interesting things about NFL quarterbacks when quarterback news breaks, and they put out opinions rather than if you go to the feed right now, it's just a photo of Dak Prescott that says breaking news, Dak Prescott signed with the Cowboys, because right. that will be too similar to everybody else. So I think there's a fine mix of how – the breaking news doesn't matter as much anymore because you don't want to be just breaking news, but it still matters. It just matters how you distribute it. Absolutely, Sam. That's a terrific point. And as you touched on when it comes to really that entertainment or opinion aspect of sports media, it's inherently personality driven, right? It's inherently yeah. how someone's delivering it or the, the framework or the perspective that they bring to the news and whether they think the Dak Prescott signing is a good thing or a bad thing or, 
whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So how have you guys individually thought about incorporating your personalities into your content? And then as an extension, how does that fit into the larger picture of the brand you want to build with Sports on Tap? Yeah. Um, Sam, you want to go first on this one? Yeah. Um, well, it's it's interesting. And I think we talked about this when we first tried this recording. But of course, as we said, George's internet was giving us some problems. But we talked. We talked about how to mix in personalities. Well, Wi Fi on it every little bit, man. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> Wi Fi. The Wi Fi ruined my first. My first original thought on this, but it um, it, it's hard because building personality within a company or within just your on social media, whatever, is hard, right? And mixing it in with your business is hard sometimes. And I'll. And I guess this is something I talk about a lot with George. Um, I talk about this a lot with whoever I talk about with social media. Building a brand is really hard if you're basing it just on personalities as well. And the reason behind that is if I, if you go to our main page, the sports on tap and all you saw on there was, you know, me talking as the picture's going down, it's not really right now. It's not giving anybody value to, to go there. Right. Because if they don't know me, why are they going to go there? Now there's, so this is where it gets hard where you're trying to put yourself out there, build personalities for a brand, but you also still have to incorporate the original stuff of just like memes and building funny content of of some sort, because you're trying to build this presence online, but you also need to make sure you're still giving enough value to give them a reason to see that person, right? Like, oh, we get a lot of traffic on this page. Well, let's check out who runs these pages. It's much more likely than I'm just posting only stuff that's just me. And you know, the likelihood of somebody just coming across that is a lot, a lot harder. And it's and it's and in general, building a brand with, you know, building a personal brand within your brand is just never the easiest thing because of, you know, this is how I say it. It's because of, you know, trying to be authentic and trying to give value and trying to. I don't know. There's just an on and off. And, and it's hard sometimes in life. You know, there's going to be some videos that flop or some podcasts that flop and that some that do well. And you always got to find a way to find that good mix of the content, what's doing well, what's not doing well, being your authentic self, um, all those different things. So I think it's a really interesting field to be in um, because like, I feel like every day I'm trying to figure out how to just continue to be more natural. George and I have a lot of plans on the business that we'll share with you at some point here too, that about how to be like, how to get out there and do more stuff on like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter live um, on a daily basis, just be out there more often. Cause I think the more you go out there, the more you become fully your authentic self online. I think it's really easy while building a brand online to feel like you're being authentic. But then like, when you look back, it's like George and I will look back some of our old podcast or old videos and I can see a huge change from when we first started talking on podcasts and it was awkward and the pauses and we don't know what's going on and we're both being, it feels nervous. So I think it's really cool to see the progression. And the more you do things personal brand wise, the more you're going to just like look at yourself and be like, wow, now I'm really just authentic and it, it looks cool and it sounds cool. And it's a better chance people are going to follow you. People can sense too when you're authentic and when you're not. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah. And one thing I think is really important to keep in mind, and it's I think me and Sam have struggled with this and come back to it and struggled and come back. And I think we're almost going to hit a, I think we're almost at hitting a sweet spot with it is being widely available to be online, right? So we used to do a daily show on, on Facebook Live every single day and record it into a podcast and post it. And we were like, okay, maybe we're putting out too much content. So I mean, one thing we were talking about now is doing a live every single day um, from four to like 4.30, let's just say, called the you know Sports on Tap Happy Hour. And it's not, not gonna be a podcast. It's just something to put yourself out there, right? So the way I kind of look at things is, okay, Colin Cowherd, for example, is a good example or even clay travis who some people like and some people don't like um but why are they well known well one they're around every single day like if you're fox news or fox for so uh, many hours <laughs> so many hours so people they're might always not, they're always yeah. on they're always available so yeah maybe you're not watching them at the time they're available but when you're like all right i want to listen to a sports podcast oh yeah colin cowherd has one oh, i want to listen to sports oh yeah yeah clay travis has one you need to be in people's mind. 
it doesn't necessarily mean every piece of your content needs to be consumed by a mass amount of people. But you want to be in people's mind when they're looking for sports content. You want them to remember the sports on tap. You want them to remember Sammy on tap, George on tap, Son Chicago. Like, you just want to get that into their mind that this person, when I'm looking for sports content, has sports content available. If you don't, if you're not in their mind when that happens, you're not going to win. George, that's a really interesting point on, on being top of mind, because I think that's very inherently tied in with how your authentic personality your Sammy's authentic personality connects with someone and why someone would keep you top of mind or why yeah. you would resonate. And that's very much about the personal brand that each of you has built with your respective following. So if you were to describe what you think that personal brand is and maybe just a couple words maybe it's two or three keywords that you think really define what your your personal brand is or how it's perceived and what you want that to be how would you describe what you think your personal brand is and, and why your followers stick with you and why it resonates with them I think for mine I'm quirky <laughs> to be honest with you I mean, I, I don't I I have some weird thoughts and I do weird, I think weird things that most people probably don't think and don't really necessarily completely believe. But I think I completely believe it. I don't, I, I don't really say anything I don't believe. And I think sometimes people are like, is this guy full of shit or not? But I'm really not. I actually believe in most of the things I say. Like Carson Wentz, I think, was in my QB power rankings at number nine for like half the season. And I still, like next year, he'll probably start out at number 10 because he went down in my mind a little bit. <laughs> he calls it quirky. I call it delusional. But it's, it's, it's one and the same. He still thinks Andrew Luck's going to win two Super Bowls as well. If he came back, he would, but he isn't. So Carson Wentz will win those two Super Bowls for him. Well, now that's possible. Um, I, so I – one word I'll use is Seattle, which is – the reason I use that is because I know a lot of people that follow us on social media will have a good association with the Seattle sports teams. Yeah. I know we have really good following on our Seattle-based stuff, um, and they probably – if somebody was thinking of like Seattle sports, I know there's some people that probably think – I'm hoping at least would probably think of me like, Oh, I've watched this guy talk about Seattle sports a lot or tweet about Seattle sports a lot. I think one thing for uh, George and I also that we're really trying to work on and continue to do is use uh, the advantage of being brothers in the sports business. Um, I think that's one thing that we've, we've really, and that that's like a key word for me is brothers because we're trying to build you know, this brand and help it parlay into, you know, keep continuing to build the sports on tap. And I think brothers is a really cool thing that we're not only just brothers on a podcast together, but business owners um, and, you know, like family business trying to grow that. And I don't think there's really anything like that in the industry. Like, I don't, you know, I think it'd be cool that we're two brothers with a podcast and we're trying to incorporate brother stuff into the pot or sibling stuff into our podcast. You know, for example, we're doing this new segment every on, at the end of every podcast, you can leave a voicemail on Anchor where we record our podcast. We're asking people to record their best sibling stories or sibling sports stories, whatever it may be, and throw that at the end of every podcast because we kind of want to parlay the fact that, you know, parlay it into something bigger. Like we are like the brothers in sports. There's not that many of them. There's some of them on the football field and, you know, some in the NBA, but I don't feel like there's any of that in the podcasting game. So, I think we're trying to, I think that's two big things is the local sports. And when I say Chicago, that could also mean, you know, the, I said Seattle, that could also mean Chicago, like building those local brands um, is big for the business. And I think the brother aspect is something that can be really beneficial for us um, and for the whole brand going forward long-term. That's interesting, Sammy, because I certainly in viewing your content and interacting with you guys, I know how close you are and how, the, the brothers and family aspect has played up on perhaps the, the logistics or business side. And I think it having given it a little bit more thought now that you said that it certainly makes both of you more relatable because people have mm -hmm. siblings, people have family members that they talk about the Seahawks game with, or they talk about mm -hmm. tennis with or whatever it may be. And sports is such a unifying thing for many people, or even just a topic of conversation among strangers that the aspect of brothers or having someone to share sports with, I think is very powerful for the brand that you build, whether it's you're on a podcast together or whether you're tweeting at one another, whatever it may be. So that's an interesting point because you don't often, you hear about family brands, but you don't necessarily hear about them in terms of 
the individuals within that family, which I think is, is a really compelling way to differentiate your brand. And, and one thing, you, you know, you touched on Sammy as being your authentic self and obviously being brothers, your authentic brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, a yeah. family by any means, but social media. Yeah, I promise we're not just pretending. We're not, we're not stick. We are brothers. <laughs> they are in fact brothers. We, we can confirm, but. Well, we, I, I mean, we just maybe, I don't know if we have to take a DNA test. We're going to have to have no parents <laughs> if it's totally true, but I think so. I don't think anyone uh, made any mistakes. <laughs> we'll follow up. We'll confirm on a later episode whether Jordan right. and Sammy are, in fact, uh, related blood relatives. We will be on the Mari show next Tuesday. <laughs> I think if we're real brothers. Or... And, and I think one thing that, that comes with social media is that there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of negativity and haters and critics that's especially true with sports media when people are passionate and fired up about their teams so how do you stay true to what your authentic personal brand is while being able to sift through or ignore or cut through that noise and sometimes negativity that comes with putting yourself out there on social media platforms um it's very simple for me so this is gonna be a really short answer but I really believe it. When someone is negative and doesn't like you, they leave a comment and they interact with you. Someone likes you, what you say, they either just click like or retweet and move on. You need the haters. You need the negativity to, to actually move the needle a little bit because most of the time, if someone agrees with you, usually it's just as simple as click, like, click, retweet, move on. I actually think it's good. I think I, I like, because it's not politics, right? If this is politics, it'd suck because <laughs> like, you actually argue about stuff that matters. But like today I posted something about Russell Westbrook's MVP being a gimmick and people were fucking fired up. And I'm like, oh, great, cool. They're all so mad about it. But it's, it's, it's Russell Westbrook and it's a triple double. Does it really matter in the grand scheme of life? No. So it'd be like, I guess if this was real life, it'd be really hard because I think it's really hard like when you're talking about real, really serious stuff like the war or COVID or I don't know, something that's really important. This is sports. It's fun. Like someone disagrees with you about sports. It's super easy for me to move off. And it's like, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. I think that I'm going to, I'm going to expand on that because I think for us, it's actually very easy. Like George said to say, it doesn't matter. Right, because it doesn't like for us with sports, it's really easy for me not to care if somebody calls me an idiot. Because of like, I think you know, like same thing that he's talking about. Like he calls De what Russell Westbrook's MVP a gimmick. I call Derrick Rose's MVP a gimmick. Like so, I, we we both on a, uh, a podcast hosted by a guy from Chicago and say that. Come on, man. My point exactly is that. It, but it's it's sports, right? So it's like whatever. If you're like, damn, you're an idiot. I'd be like, maybe you think I'm an idiot about sports. No big deal, right? Now I do know it, it's important for other industries and other people, right? If you're if you're like somebody out there in fitness, you're a woman posting pictures and people are you know saying mean things. Mm -hmm. It's a whole nother level of like the bad side of the internet, right? So that that I understand. I just think for us it's really easy because it is sports and it is just the reality of like, some people are going to be like, Oh, your sports takes are stupid. And I'm like, yeah, maybe like, I don't know. Like when uh, I think this team's going to win, like, well, I think this one, like, okay, we'll find out in six months. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just an opinion, but I do think that, um, that I do think, like you said, though, it can be a nasty place. So I do feel for those that are more in industries or just in the personal world of getting mean hate because, there are some parts of social media where you can get some hate that actually really, you know, does mess with you. For me, the harder part on social media, I guess, just to like add to that conversation of what's hard on social media, um, for me, just comes from the point of like continually trying to put stuff out there. And sometimes, you know, we've talked about sometimes you don't get much engagement or much interaction on something and it makes you lag for two, three days because you're like, whatever, does anybody care? Does this or that? And I think one of the most cliche things that I've learned, and it's an extreme cliche, but it's so real, is the, you know, the whole concept of one person likes it, right? Maybe you're actually entertaining somebody, that one person for a day that you don't know, then it, it is kind of worth it. So I think it's just like that hard thing in social media for me, not the negativity, it's more the like, to keep yourself mentally like in it where you're like, Hey, there is somebody out there that does listen or somebody that does care. 
And, you know, I think that I still think that's something that matters to all people, whether you have five followers or like 20,000 on social media. It's like, I know everybody that has a following on social media still is like, does somebody care that much about this post? So one thing that I think is big on social media is to just post what you want to post, do it the way you want to do it and be happy with it. Because at the end of the day, I think we need to go back to that place where like I'm being your authentic self. And I think that's the hard part of social media is people aren't authentic because of the negativity or because of the lack of like, you know, participation on some of your posts and all this. So I think that's the real negativity is the, what it does to some people where it's like, Oh, does anybody care or not? And I think that's the tough part. That's a terrific point, Sammy. It, it gets into that mental game of, are you posting for the engagement? Or are you posting because it's content that you authentically want to produce? Right. And, and yeah. that becomes a conflict within your creative process of, am I just posting stuff that I think is going to do well? Or am I posting stuff that's genuine to what I believe, genuine to what I want to share, genuine to the value I want to create for people? And uh, admittedly, sometimes episodes of our this podcast itself do very well. Sometimes they don't do well at all. And it's not for lack of effort. It's not because the guest quality isn't high or the, the conversation isn't good. Sometimes it just doesn't resonate for whatever reason. And that is a mental game of how do I continue improving and getting better and making sure the content I'm producing is still of a high quality. Absolutely. And maybe there are adjustments that need to be made, but how do I make sure that I'm not just doing it for the engagement? for the number of likes or just yeah it's like the, the pure simplicity of the satisfaction of seeing you know the number of engagement go on right. right at the end of the day a lot of times people post this stuff to get engagement thinking that's going to help them grow what they're trying to do on a higher level but really they might be just hurting themselves in the future because when you go out and try to put up stuff that you really care about and what you really want to build no one is you know engaging with it because the whole following you built is based on something else right so you want to build your following based on whether that you know following is a thousand people or twenty five thousand people i think a thousand people engaged in the stuff that you care about and you really think is important is better than twenty five thousand people who don't care yeah i also think there's like i have a little counter to something john said actually so my little counter, it's a little one. It's not that big. My one little counter too sometimes is over worrying about quality as well because I have, I've, I've, I've put myself in the mistake sometimes of over worrying about what does this camera look like? What is my, like, what does everything look like around me? And I don't post anything that day, right? Where I've realized like, okay, if I have the time to make it look more high quality today and I feel like doing it, do it. It doesn't hurt, obviously. Actually, it's probably better, right? But at the same time, if there's a day where I'm on the go and you know I didn't have I don't I didn't have time at my desk today, but I can still whip out my phone in 2021, record something, put a little background on it, and put it out there. And I think that's one big thing that goes into this conversation too, is like it's almost having more of the like screw it mentality with everything, right? Where it's like, let's not worry about what people think. Let's not worry about what I always look like. Let's not always worry about like, is this the best piece of content I've ever put out? Because maybe it's not, but maybe it's pretty good. Or maybe the one that you thought wasn't that good actually does well. So I think like what's interesting, I agree that like, yes, it's better to make good content when you can. But at the same time, it's like, this is where don't even almost don't let yourself overthink what is good content, right? Like do what makes you happy, do it the way you want to do it for that day. And like put out the more content you put out, the better chance that it's going to go well. So I always use this example for myself because I go through the same struggles like everybody else. Where it's If I posted seven days a week, once a day um, with average quality, like camera or whatever, but it's me being authentic, it has a better chance of growing than posting once every 14 days where I spend a lot of time editing a video or doing whatever it may be. So I think there's like always that fine line between consistency and quality and, and being authentic and whatever it may be. Well, I'm right there with you on that point, Sammy. I, I will raise my hand and say, I'm guilty of trying to perfect my content. And it's, it doesn't come from a place of, <laughs> you know, it, it just comes from a place of caring and wanting to put mm -hmm. out a really high quality product. But at the same time, you do have to force yourself to remember that old startup adage of 
learn fast, fail fast, just keep testing things, just keep throwing yeah. things out there, see what sticks. And at some point you have to take a look at the results and say, okay, these three things did really well. These three things didn't. So we're going to scrap these and we're not going to do these other ones. But at the same time, it's that constant iterative process, especially in the world of media, sports media, social media, where there are always new platforms or always new features. Maybe it's TikTok, Instagram Reels, Twitch, whatever it is, there's always something to test. And there's always a different assumption that you want to throw out there and see if it sticks or not. And that's really yep. where the consistency comes into to play with the content. And honestly, guys, I'm not just saying this because you're guests on the show, but when I think of consistency in terms of producing content, I immediately think of both of you. And that's before we even started working together over the past year, just because I follow you guys. And I remember back in the day when you used to do the Facebook live shows and you were doing multiple Facebook live shows a day. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting down and saying to a friend, I, this is so impressive. I don't know how they find the time <laughs> to do this because there were multiple shows, multiple hour shows, and you guys were just cranking through them. But the biggest thing is, there was something out there every day. And I've right. seen you carry that through to Twitter and to, into Instagram and to these other platforms, whether it's podcasts, which just posts, whatever it may be. So what's your secret to the consistency? Because when it comes down to it, the people who execute are the ones that get paid. That's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten in my professional career. And consistency is a huge piece of that. So how do you guys approach that to build a brand in a consistent way and do so at a high level while enjoying it, because those are a couple different pieces to it that are really difficult to, to achieve and, and mix together. Right. Pick right. me to start really quick. All right. <laughs> Here's what I want to say about that is one thing is, first of all, appreciate the comp the compliment. Number one, number two is, you know, I think this is where George and I have done a, have gone back and forth a lot, trying to find some more of that, consistency again i feel like we swayed off a little bit here and there sometimes and for example i think one thing is to continually make sure you're doing something that you enjoy right and now i think where george and i made a little bit of a mistake despite it being so consistent is when we were doing like three hours four hours a day on lives it would start to get to a point where you know it reminds me of cable television where we were out of things to talk about we're making up topics. You're trying to do like first take Stephen A. Smith, you know, just, just making up topics. Now we're trying to get back to this point of consistency where we're doing, for example, sports on tap happy hour. We're going to be starting that next week at four o'clock, go in for 30 minutes and do things you enjoy. If, if it's, we, we, we continue to talk about this where it's, if it's 15 minutes, if it's 30 minutes, if it's an hour that day, just go do it. If there's an off topic thing, that's not sports, but something was breaking on Twitter and it's fun to talk about go for it. And then I think the big thing there is we continue to talk about we're brothers, right? Be brothers. If he says something that's annoying, I'm going to tell him that was annoying. Like you move on. Like we're actually, and we found that going back, we're trying to get back to that authentic, do what you love, all those things roots where it's like, be brothers, have fun and do what you like. And then I think when you're doing those things, consistency becomes easy because you know, you're just you're, if we go on for 30 minutes to an hour a day, actually talking about topics we enjoy, interacting with people, I think the consistency is easy because it's going to be fun. Now, I think if you, you know, what we were doing before might have been a little too much for us where it like dried up the consistency. But now going back to it, we're going to find like a good medium of how to do it while enjoying it, keeping it time re reasonable, you know, not making up content just to make up content and just doing it for the fun of it. And I think that's, it's so cliche, but when you're doing things you like and it's fun, it really, really works. Yeah. And it's really easy to do. I think one thing that's really important to just piggyback off everything Sammy said, which is spot on, is it's hard to continue to be consistent if you are overreaching for, for it, right? So, for example, with us, we were doing the Facebook live show every day, producing it into a podcast, producing it into an article, and then posting it everywhere and trying to do social media while writing articles. Like, all right, that's not going to work. So now we're pivoting to this happy hour thing, which is the non-podcast. Like, if you like us on the podcast, you can find us on live every day. If you found us on live, you know we have a podcast. Like, 
So you go ahead and do things where you're like, okay, I want to remain consistent, but how do I not overextend myself to where the quality is bad and it's no longer fun, right? Because like if, if it becomes something becomes a burden, you it, it becomes hard. <laughs> so it's about finding like that balance of all right, how do I do this without overextending myself? And if you can find that balance, you're always going to be able to achieve consistency, in my opinion. Terrific points, guys. Anytime you're having fun doing it, it doesn't feel like work. Right. right. <laughs> and one thing that I think often gets difficult when it comes to blogs or especially sports media, because there are a lot of people who do start sports media sites or blogs, social media accounts, etc. But one thing that starts taking away from the fun of it is when it starts to feel more like a business and right. when you're doing something and you're not necessarily seeing the results or because it's difficult to monetize It's a difficult industry. Anytime you do a, a blog or a sports media site. And, you know, we saw with Barstool, it took nearly a decade before they were eventually acquired by, by Penn Gaming. So how do you go about staying resilient, staying consistent and building your company when you know that it takes a certain amount of time to really hit it big, even with no guarantees of, of ever doing so, just as yeah. with any startup company? belief i guess <laughs> like you know what the end game is you know what the end goal is and shoot i guess sometimes you're so like deep into it <laughs> you don't even think about it <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you, keep going. like you just keep going you don't really think about like this harder times you just like all right well this is where we're going we're gonna keep going at it and you just hope like i guess sometimes you have to be naive enough and be like literally it's you have to be built from a different you know it john you're an entrepreneur you gotta gotta be built differently to be an entrepreneur you don't really think of this stuff when you're going like this is a great idea i'm going for it how do you make money figure it out that, that's kind of just how it goes. Yeah, hopefully I do. That's how. <laughs> yeah, I think cliche. Okay, this is actually why I like cliches a lot because like a lot of cliches have come true for me where it's almost like the, like everything about just like cliches when it came to social media or like your positivity or all these like, how do you not quit? Oh, you just stay resilient. You've always found out that it could be worse. And like, they're all true actually. So it's like they're cliches, but they're pretty real where- you know, I've been in better situations and I've been in worse. And then you, you always know like every skill that I'm doing is leading to something. And if it ever leads to a complete failure, I have all these skills. I can use it at a, as a, at a job. I can use it building something else one day, or it's just going to lead to working. So it's like, I, I, I found this, Oh God, no, I, I saw this quote today and I wish I wrote it down and it had something to do with like, do you ever realize that you spent all those years thinking about like, oh, I'm going to be here in five years. And now you're here and you're thinking about those five years again, right? Like where you're going to be in five years. And then it like made me kind of think that's why we always get like anxious or people get worried about, oh, where's my business going to go? Because we're always like in a moment and worried about five years from now. Like where's this business going to be? How are we going to make the money? How am I going to pay this? How am I going to buy a house? We're in reality as cliche as it is, if you just like live in the moment and do what you're liking, I think like you slowly build, right? You slowly get to the points you want to get to. And I will say this for any entrepreneur listening to this podcast or anybody that wants to be a future entrepreneur. I literally had this conversation with my girlfriend recently. She's graduating from health and with a health and wellness degree. And she doesn't know if she wants to start her own business or go get a job or whatever. And I'm like, at the end of the day, nowadays, especially nowadays, it's 2021 there you can do you can find ways to make money online like small gigs you can find ways to do uber and people or go get part-time jobs and 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 work at night for your business all those clichés are so real now where it's like you can grind on one thing and find a way on the other thing all of us here in this conversation i think a lot of entrepreneurs that would listen to this podcast or have been on this podcast i think they all probably have something in common which is we all kind of just figure it out as we go and I think you got to find a way. And I think that's what George is saying too. Like, I don't know. You got to be delusional. You find a way. Yeah. Well said, Sammy. Just be, I guess it goes back to my podcast uh, authenticity. I'm a delu I'm delusional. <laughs> so it's pretty easy for, for me. I just, I guess sometimes you just turn off your brain. You turn off the part of your brain that says you should worry. And you, sometimes you don't have time to worry. And sometimes yeah. you just so engrossed in it, George, as you said, that 
you just stay the course. And Sammy, I, you touched on a great point that some people, sometimes you just inherently get so worked up or so worried about <laughs> what the future holds. And, and it's natural. It's a human thing yeah. right? to, to be concerned about where you're going to be. And maybe it just comes back to that basic knack of survival. <laughs> I'm not yeah. quite sure, but really you have to execute today to be successful tomorrow and you have to build over time. And it's easy to get lost in the worries of the future that prevent you from taking step A today and step B tomorrow. Yep. And by the end of the week, you've done seven steps and you're that much closer. So I think that's a terrific point. And guys, as we head into our, our three question grand finale here, I, I think it's, <laughs> I, I like I this think, already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say thank you for helping provide appropriate perspective because for founders, it can be really tough to, sometimes lose sight of the the big picture when you're we're in the weeds on things. So I appreciate the, the perspective you brought together on all of this, but starting can I, off- Can with, I make one comment before yeah, the few questions? And I think this is actually a big point to this whole conversation. I think George will agree. Is one thing that, because we mentioned Sant and how we started off at us, you know, like my, from my dad's business and all these things. And we talk about entrepreneurs. I think George and I neglected one thing and I have to say it before we get to the finale which mm-hmm. is our family's background, because I think that plays a huge role. Not only was our dad an entrepreneur, but you, my dad literally looks me in the eyes so many times where I'm, if I'm having a bad day or I'm struggling with stuff, our dad immigrated here from Syria at 33, I believe it was, right, George? Around that time. At 33 years old, and George was you know, one of the babies he immigrated yeah, with. Greedy. Well, no. So George, the whole family immigrated here. My dad was 33. They didn't have much money. He didn't even speak good English. Neither did my mom. And they came and figured it out. They like put money towards a restaurant, built that, then put money towards another restaurant, built that, and then put money towards that scene on TV stores and just like figured it out as they go. And I think, you know, every time somebody asks me about like, oh, like, do you stress about this, this, like, I always kind of like related back to my dad. Like if he could do it, you know, 33 years old, not speaking like English with not a lot of money with a kid and a wife coming to America from, from Syria, you know, we all have the opportunity. I think as George knows, like one big thing that we've learned, the reason I think I love sports on tap and I love that it's related back to our father's business in the name is because of that journey. And like, and I always think like if, if, and this is almost going to delusional. Like we have to make it work because if he was able to make it work, like we have to make it work too. So it's like, that's where it always like comes from. So that was my like closing statement that I wanted to mention at the beginning that I forgot. (laughs) That's terrific guys. And again, I I hate to use the cliche, but it really is the American dream. It's taking something, just finding your way. There is no blueprint. There is just really faith and belief in yourself that you'll figure it out. And, that's ultimately what anyone building a startup is is really doing. And I'm, I'm glad that we've been able to share your story about that today because it's really powerful. And it's something that keeps you going when there are setbacks or keeps you going when there are things that don't go your way or when you're selling glitter and, and hating it. Right, Sammy? Oh, yeah. No more glitter for me. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's kick off our three-question grand finale here for each of you. What's been your favorite moment working with sports on tap so far? Favorite moment. George, can you mute yourself next time? My goodness. Jesus. This is a brother. <laughs> oh, wow. Favorite moment. That's a good question. Hmm. Favorite moment. I mean, I guess what I thought What's it was really question? that. <laughs> so it's not like um, I felt like it, our first time. Interview, we interviewed Ennis Cantor, and I thought that was kind of cool because it was our first time, like, with, like, a big-time, like, NBA star. So I kind of felt like, oh, cool, we're, like, we're legit. Like, it was more – it wasn't, like, just the interview. He's a great guy and all that, and I don't – I wasn't, like, the world's, you know, most captivating podcast or anything like that or even our best podcast. It was a good podcast. Don't get me wrong. He's a great guest. But it was just that moment like, oh, okay, cool. So we have some pool. If we like reach out to this person or do that, like someone is willing to speak to us because they see that we are a legitimate company. So it was just a really cool feeling. 
That's a good one, actually. Yeah, that kind of gives you some like validity and makes you feel good in that sense. Um, let's see. For me, I'll say my favorite moment. Wow, that's just a, that's such a good question. Mm-hmm. I'll say a cliche because I like cliches. Um, which is like the first time we made a dollar because I think we got our first. We were doing like Facebook live shows and we had a oh no what ad company? It was like a, it was like a sports betting company, the classic on sports podcast. MyBookie.ag, the classic sports betting podcast uh, sponsorship. And we got paid for it. And I was like, I have no idea what the hell we did. But like, we started talking sports on camera and we just got paid something. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Because this was literally me being like, screw it. I'm not playing with my glitter and I'm going (laughs) to talk about sports. And when you actually get paid for the first time, it gives you that first like, oh, like, you know, when you see people on YouTube doing things or on podcasts, like that's no joke. Like you actually, the more you grow, the more you're going to make money off it. And the more you make your, you know, your dream into kind of a reality. So I think that was cool. Absolutely. There's something tremendously validating about that first dollar of revenue. And it's, yeah, it's really cool. Companies put it in a frame and, and hang it on the wall. It's just, yeah, it's someone has believed in you or considered you credible enough to actually pay you for what you want to do. And that's a really powerful moment for any entrepreneur. So I, that's a, it's hard to beat that one. It's hard to beat either of those, honestly. It is. <laughs> All right, guys, number two. In what ways have each of you personally grown the most through your experience working with Sports on Tap? Personally grown. Okay. Um, in what ways? I would say number one is growing a... I guess like a, I was going to say delusional, that's George's word, but like I've grown in the sense that I don't necessarily believe in failure anymore at all. Um, I used to think failure, I used to actually think there was such thing as failure. Now I believe there's like, you can fail and then like, you know, bounce back and, and get placed. But I don't really believe in failure. Like even if something doesn't go well, you don't fail anymore. Right. And I've kind of learned that like, I, I, I've always realized now, I guess recently that like, even if I'm doing something and I don't do well at it, usually my perception is much worse than what somebody else's is. So like, I'm not really failing. And I think that's where I've grown the most is I've realized, Hey, you know what? You might have good months, bad months, but you've actually, you actually don't fail because if I failed, ultimately failing would mean I'm not doing it anymore or I quit, but like, I haven't done that. So I think it's kind of a mindset shift that I've worked on where it's like always kind of like, you know, you, you, you're not really failing. Like you're doing this. There's a lot of people that would love to be in your situation. There's a lot of people that want to have, want to follow their dreams and haven't. So like no part of me has failed. That's how I see it. Yeah. And for me, I guess is like, don't listen to a lot of critics in general, right? Like most people are like, Oh, you want to do this? Well, you didn't go to school for broadcasting or journalism or, this and I used to really believe in all that, like, oh, you have to do this and this and this to get to like there's a path, right? You go point A to point B to point C. And now I kind of feel like in general you don't have to follow a there there is there's a reason they say off the beaten path, right? Like sometimes you can do things without having to follow a blueprint that was put aside for you. Cause everyone has their own journey and like not, not just in like sports media, but in life, you can, some people get married at 31, some at 25, some have kids at 40, like it, just in general, blueprints in life don't mean shit is, I guess the, is, is what I learned the most. And yeah, that, that, that's completely what I've learned the most. I like that one. Actually, I kind of really like that one. Cause I've learned the same thing. Cause we all, we all can have like, Oh my God, my friend at 27's bought a house and he's married. And it's like, I'm 28. Like, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, actually you could end up worse or better or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. Like you don't have to follow their path. I like that one, George. (laughs) And it wouldn't be to tie it all together. It wouldn't be authentic to you to follow someone else's path or to follow someone else's blueprint because that's not what you are. That's not what your personality is and your goals. And so doing that would be inauthentic to you. Exactly. And then I like, I mean, like Carson Wentz being a top 10 quarterback next year is not the path that I thought he was going to take. He's going to get there. He'll be on my TV week one, number three. I'm kidding. 
All right, guys. The grand finale question here. What's the one thing that Sports on Tap needs to take that next big step or reach that next big milestone? And that could be venture capital. That could be introduction to a key hire or connection to a strategic partner. What would that one ask be from you guys? And how can the Founders Trust community help Sports on Tap achieve that next big milestone? Hmm, that's a great question. I guess I'll go first. I think the, I think the one thing Sports on Tap needs would be, I don't even think it's necessarily uh, funding. I think it is just one big, I don't even want to say break, right? But it's just like that one key listen, that one traction channel that just seems to just snap its finger and go. I don't think necessarily we're far away from it, but I think we're one key just traction channel, one roll of a tire away. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I I feel like any of our podcasts, any of our content, I feel like we're one big, you know, one viral moment away. And that sounds crazy. I know to most people, but we've, we've had our viral moments. I feel like we've had some here or there, like some tweets, some, some things here and there that have gone really well. So I don't, I'm not necessarily like in the belief that it's like a one hit wonder type of thing. I just think that over time we've consistently had some things go really well. And I feel like we're kind of waiting on that one next big thing. Um, but I will say, I think, and I think it's going to come in the form of an idea of some sort within the company. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily know what it is, but I have a really big feeling and this, this, this just could be my feeling, but I know that George and I are really going to try with our podcast specifically to push this thing about brothers and being live a lot more and being out there. I think if we can get, you know, one big, a big traction of like siblings listening into our podcast or get involvement with like brothers and siblings, if we can get that message out there, like go onto our podcast, it's anchor.fm slash pod that, and you can leave a message if you have a sibling. Things like that. I think the more we can get people into that trend and incorporate the siblings and and as we always say, if you don't have siblings, it could be your cousins or something, whatever, right? If you don't have siblings, we don't discriminate. But it, I think, some a moment like that or like a a trend that we start, I think, could be something that's really big for the company. Absolutely, guys, and you've already been huge leaders in just the consistency on the content side and. I see it on a daily basis, the different ideas you bring and the different podcast segments and different guests. And it's that experimentation that we came back to. And I completely agree with you, Sammy, in that in terms of the brand, the the family connections of sports and how sports teams and fanhood ties people together is not only a really powerful part of our human experience, um, and that's just not even as Americans, that's globally, whether it's soccer, yeah. it doesn't matter what sport you follow or what team or athlete you're a fan of. That's something that's really inherent to people's social connectivity with others. And I think that's a big piece that as you keep experimenting with your content and with the formats and platforms, and you weave in those themes of your personal brand that are authentic to you and George and what the company was built on, I think and truly do believe that those things will really take off into something unique that inspires sports fans to keep following you and to mm-hmm. be dedicated to the sports on tap, because it's just not a part of anyone else's brand, at least that we've seen so far. So you guys have everything prepped to, to build that and really excited to see where it goes. So I appreciate thank that. you so much for joining us for an incredible episode. I mean, we've touched on so much today from, a personal branding aspect to social media, to consistency, resiliency. You really are the American story. And as is your family, when it comes to finding your way as entrepreneurs, pivoting, staying tough, navigating the challenges that you face and ultimately building something really special. And so excited to see where Sports Untapped continues in the future. I appreciate that. And I think you've got to see a moment of our, huh? I'm glad you're part of our journey too, John. Oh, I'm I am too. Here. It's been so much fun, guys. Honestly, working I was, last year has been a blast, and we're really excited to continue doing some great stuff with you in Chicago. And, and you got to see a moment of our authenticity today where I told George, God damn, how about next time mute when you drink water? And guess what he did? That was a, that was a brother comment right there. The next time we got the mute. That was a that was a prime example of our authenticity and at the end of the episode. 
We frank, I actually didn't even know. Well, uh, that used to be, let me be frank. Um, I, I didn't know it was so loud. Is, is it a loud noise? <laughs> it's pretty loud. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I won't do that again. <laughs> It's good Spoken to know. Like true brothers. Spoken like true <laughs> brothers. I love it, guys. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. For those at home, definitely check out the Sports on Tap at thesportsontap.com. Follow George and Sammy on Twitter at George on Tap and at Sammy on Tap. Follow our local channel at Sports on Tap Chicago. And looking forward to continuing building a great sports media company with you guys. Thanks a lot. So let me know what you think of today's episode. Comment on our social media or send us an email at founderstrustpodcast at markettrust.io. Now go get building.